There is currently a big boardroom battle on the go between the publishing and packaging group Caxton and the packaging and recycling group Impact. Caxton currently owns 34% of Impact and has signaled its intentions to take control of the company. Last week, Caxton issued a statement in reaction to statements uh, Bruce Strong, Impact CEO, made during the company's recent interim results presentation. Strong suggested that Caxton's recent decision to vote against Impact remuneration resolutions at the recent AGM stems from an apparent ulterior motive and that Caxton is only acting in its own interest. I need to declare that MoneyWeb is owned by AME and AME is also owned by the owners of Caxton. But on the line now is Bruce Strong. Bruce, thank you so much for joining me. Firstly, let's talk about the relationship between Caxton and Impact. How would you describe your relationship with Caxton prior to Caxton actually issuing the statement in reaction to your comments at the results presentation last week? Well, Rick, thanks very much for having me, first of all. You know, perhaps I'll just start by going back a number of steps um, and just giving a brief outline as to how how we are now. Impact is the largest paper and plastics packaging and recycling business in Africa, actually. In 2021, just to give you a sense of the scale, the group generated revenue of over 12 billion rand. And about three quarters comes from the paper business and a quarter from the uh, plastics business. So just for those listeners who might not know, I mean, we collect waste paper to make paper to make packaging on the one hand. And our packaging products include corrugated boxes, uh, paper bags, you know, for fruit export and home deliveries and so on. And other retail applications. Then we make plastic products like bins and crates which are used also in retail, but also in the fruit sector. We make other uh, plastic packaging that's used in food and beverage and home care and personal care and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, we close the loop, but in effect, so because we're the biggest recycler, we are the means to an end in terms of all the uh, brand owners and producers who have to show extended producer responsibility. We are able to bring that. So we close the loop through our integrated business model um, and really bring effect to the so-called circular economy, which I'd happily talk to you more about <laughs> at some time in the future. So over the years, I mean, as uh, you may have seen in our recent results, our group has shown tremendous resilience. Um, you know, we're very clear about what we're trying to do. I mean, we've got innovative packaging. Um, we're driving the circular economy. And I can say with great conviction that we make a difference in the communities where we operate. Our most recent, recent results, for example, will show that uh, in spite of the very challenging circumstances we operate in in South Africa, we are doing well. In addition to that, we've got great prospects. So, you know, you would have read about uh, the number of investments that we have. We've got a a comprehensive capital expenditure pipeline uh, for new growth projects. And what's exciting about many of these projects is they're not directly linked to the prospects of consumer spending growth in South Africa. They're diverse, you know, so we do a lot of fruit packaging and that goes up and down and sometimes not in sync with the consumer spending patterns in South Africa. We're also benefiting from the trend towards home deliveries and uh, convenient shopping. So we're one of the bigger producers of home delivery shopping bags in South Africa. Uh, Those didn't even exist as a matter of interest five years ago, you know, in the scale that exists today. And what we've been able to do in that sector, we make the bag. We don't only make the bag. We reconfigured one of our paper mills that was rebuilt in 2017 to also make the paper that's used to make the bag. And that paper is made completely out of recycled material that we collect through our recycling network, which includes uh, collecting from recycled or or wheelie bins, which we also make. So we make wheelie bins that are used by municipalities and many of those are made from recycled plastic. And so I hope you get the picture that this is this is a, a great business and we've got uh, great prospects and we've been performing well. And that's been reflected also in our share price. I mean, we're under pressure 
uh, like most people during the times of COVID, and I must say, we did a, a very successful share buyback at a share price of approximately 13 rand 70 odd, um, which we're very grateful for. And a number of other shareholders, I think, have benefited from the significant growth we've seen in the value of the share price having come out of that COVID period. I think it's clear that Caxton increased their shareholding significantly uh, from the time end of 2020 around then to early 2021. But there were shareholders in our business a number of years before that. I think they might have had a couple of percent. I don't remember exactly. I'm quite sure they, they must have bought that initial share at quite a, a lot higher price than what it is today, or perhaps even in, at the same levels. So it's hardly surprising that uh, shareholders and, and them in particular are interested in increasing their stake in the company. And I, I don't think we should be surprised by that. We also just have to go back a bit uh, from where we are now in the context of their process. So early last year, they obviously approached us. You would have read in the sense that we put out on the 30th of June last year that uh, we had uh, notified our shareholders that Caxton had applied to do a separate merger notification, uh, merger filing with, uh, with the commission. And that followed an approach to our board to do a joint merger filing. And they were asking that we join them in a joint merger filing. You know, we work with them on that. Our board, I mean, our position has been stated quite clearly. Our board was unable to agree to that on the basis that there were no terms. I mean, we didn't know uh, what the nature of the offer was, the price. We didn't know how it would be funded by shares, by cash, by a combination of shares of cash or uh, anything of that nature. Um, at that point, nothing was mentioned. I mean, Caxton know our company well. They know our business, they know our sector. And they know all the historical issues that they've referenced recently. Uh, they've known those for some time, since 2016 when they were first raised. So obviously our board didn't agree, went for the separate merger notification, and I think you're very familiar with the details of uh, how we got to where we are now, where the commission rejected that, there was a review proceeding, and we're still waiting for the outcome on that. So their current objection and the, 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 the reasons that they put weren't raised last year, the beginning of last year, when they first spoke about doing a, a joint merger filing. And so I think one needs to sort of see it for what it is. It's a tactic, a tactic of um, trying to get the business in a certain way, which makes it more affordable for them. And uh, that's what it is. And so beyond that, I think the our position is pretty clear. We put out a sense on Wednesday, responding to the various points that they'd made. And uh, I think it's uh, pretty straightforward what we what we said there. Is that what you referred to when you said during the interim results presentation, you believe they have an ulterior motive? Well, yeah, when we did our results presentation, the question came up about non-executive director fees. And my point there was their objection. They had told us, actually, Caxton have said this explicitly to us. Their objection or their voting against the non-executive director fees had nothing to do with the director fees as such. It had to do with uh, their views on disclosure of these things that they've spoken about in the media, and which we completely dis disagree with them. We deny, actually, that uh, the allegations that they made in that regard. So they were ulterior. They weren't, they, their motives weren't related to the director fees at all. They were related to other matters, not the director fees. And that was my point, really. Did Caxton engage with you after you made those remarks, but before they put out the, the same statement? Uh, no, they didn't, actually. The first that we heard of their affair, the offence that they'd taken to those comments was when we saw the statement on Friday afternoon. Caxton's position is that it cannot make an offer before there is an outcome in the cartel case before the competition authorities. And this case involves Impact and New Era, which is a competitor of Impact. Caxton says it cannot make an offer before this case has been concluded, as the outcome may have a significant impact on Impact valuation. The tribunal may, for example, fine impact up 
to 10% of its revenue, which will have a significant impact on your valuation. Do you think this is a valid concern? No, I don't. Rick, as I mentioned earlier, Caxton started acquiring their shares perhaps after that 2016 date, um, and certainly they've acquired a lot of it after they've known very much what this is about. So, And as I said earlier, in their early engagements last year with the board around the joint filing, they never even raised that point. It wasn't even mentioned once, uh, that point that you're mentioning now. And it only came up later, subsequent to us sort of saying we wouldn't agree to a joint filing, and I can't exactly remember when. So I think it needs to be seen for what it is. It's a tactic aimed at uh, achieving an objective for them. Um, And I'm not going to comment on that for the time being, but I suppose uh, we need to see it for what it is. Caxton also makes an allegation that there is sensitive information which you have not disclosed to shareholders. What is your reaction to that? Well, they are making a statement that we haven't disclosed price sensitive information. And we deny that categorically and strongly. It's not true. I just want to touch on that point that you made about sensitive information, or let's call it confidential information. All companies have confidential information. All companies have confidential information that is not released uh, necessarily to all people, you know, in the company even or wherever. And that's not abnormal. All proceedings in courts, or many, uh, and in, in the tribunal, have elements which are confidential. That confidentiality is, I think, a sacrosanct principle when it comes to dealing with matters like this, and uh, that one uh, needs to respect confidentiality in proceedings and in general, and uh, we have continued to do that. And it's unfortunate what's transpired here, and uh, I suppose that it is what it is. So confidential information is nothing new. Everybody's dealing with it every day. To the extent that they say we are withholding price-sensitive information, you know, uh, claiming it as confidential, we deny that uh, categorically. So there is confidential or sensitive information? Well, strategic information is confidential and sensitive. I think everybody appreciates that. Uh, Caxton has a lot of confidential information that's sensitive, but that doesn't mean that it's price sensitive. Caxton also alleged that a competitor, New Era, is acting with impact to prevent the proposed merger or transaction. Is a competitor involved? Let me just say that... Impact is not working with anybody in opposing a merger against Caxton. Um, In fact, there isn't a merger currently being contemplated with Caxton. What is being contemplated is an application to the Competition Commission to approve uh, for prior approval of a merger that we don't know the details of. And I think that's uh, pretty clear what our position is in that regard. So how do you regard the actions of Caxton? You did say that maybe they want to get a better price. It seems as if relations have broken down completely. Right. Let me just say that, uh, you know, our board has been pretty consistent and straightforward in this matter. If Caxton were to bring an offer or put an offer on the table, the board has a a fiduciary duty, which it would fully and diligently uh, comply with to constitute an independent board and consider that proposal in the terms that it's put forward. And uh, on considering that proposal, they've got the obligation to evaluate that it's fair and reasonable and make a recommendation to shareholders. And on that basis, shareholders make a choice. I mean, the shareholders can choose irrespective of what the, what the board says. So until such time, and, and, and I can say uh, with great confidence that our board hasn't made a call even on whether a merger is a good thing or a bad thing at this point, because they haven't had the opportunity to evaluate what merger we need to look at. And so I think it's pretty clear that this matter, and, and you know, one talks about uh, hostile or not hostile. 
Um, we can't even talk about a hostile merger because there is no merger that's been proposed at this point. And so it's an adversarial process um, in us objecting to them filing a notification for a merger that currently doesn't exist. That's clear. But if they were to put an offer on the table that we felt or the board, the independent board for that matter, felt was fair and reasonable, I can't see any reason why the board wouldn't say, okay, this could work. And you, you never know how we'd go about the filing then. They could consider a completely different view to the merger filing. And so we haven't even been put in that position to be able to make that call. And I think that shouldn't be misunderstood. The board hasn't taken a position on whether the merger works or doesn't work for impact. The board's taken a position on not allowing or not agreeing to put the cart before the horse. And they're putting the cart before the horse is getting, trying to get approval from competition authorities without knowing what the merger is or the terms of the merger or what we're actually notifying on. But it's clear that the relationship has turned hostile. How will that impact the uh, process going forward? The board, I can say with actually conviction, the board would be objective in evaluating an offer. Um, they're acting in the interests of shareholders. Frankly, their own the approach that Katzen's taken is rather unfortunate. But the board's position is objective in the context of evaluating the various things in the interests of shareholders in the company. And they've done that diligently and they'll continue to do that diligently. And if Caxton were to bring an offer that is, uh, you know, to be considered, the board would fulfill its obligations. And I don't think we should cloud that with uh, the hostility that you're mentioning because the board is uh, able to act objectively and in the best interests of of the company and shareholders. And until such time as they've got something to work with, They can't evaluate an offer that doesn't exist. What they can evaluate is not in the best interest of the company or the shareholders to put the cart before the horse in trying to get a merger notification through the Competition Commission without knowing any of the terms of the merger. Let's talk about Golden Era again, which is uh, one of Impact's uh, major competitors. Uh, It's also a customer and the co-accused in the cartel case. And they have also taken up a 10% uh, stake in Impact. Has Golden Era submitted documentation to the competition authorities in opposing the transaction? Rake, I've said to you earlier, I'm not going to discuss uh, the contents of our filings that are, are, are not public. You know, we are respecting the commission's process in this regard and the tribunal's process. And, I, you know, I hope you'll understand that I, I'm not going to comment on anything further on that, on confidential information, however it came about or whose ever confidential information it might be. What is the status of that cartel case? It's been running since 2016. When do you foresee a final outcome of that case? Well, it's uncertain, but I, our announcement in, 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 our, uh, in our, our representations in our financial statements does reflect the position as we see it at the moment and accurate, accurately reflects that. So how should impact shareholders view this hostile conflict or uh, breakdown in the relationship between the two companies? I think shareholders uh, should be optimistic about the prospects of the company, which are are very promising. Um, And they've reflected that. I mean, we've engaged extensively with our shareholders in the recent past, having just come out of our results. And they are very supportive and very excited about the prospects. And I think that is reflected across the board. And they'd be expecting to see full value for, 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 for those prospects. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for taking the time, uh, Rake. I really appreciate it. Can I have, just ask you a last question? Do you think a merger between Caxton and Impact would make sense? 
we haven't even got to the point of evaluating that because we don't know what the terms of that merger would be. So I think, as I've said uh, extensively already, if Caxton were to bring an offer and do whatever what is normally uh, the case in these situations, the board would be able to evaluate that. So the board hasn't taken a view one way or the other at this stage, and uh, they're unable to until the terms of, of, of the merger are, are known to them. So in a vacuum, it's very difficult to make a judgment on that, and certainly not my place to make that judgment because uh, that is a decision of the board and, uh, and its subcommittees. Bruce, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Rick. Have a nice day. That was Bruce Strong, the CEO of Impact.